Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us tonight for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. We are coming to you on this cold January evening from the WMCA studio in downtown New York, and we are with our host, Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah, and tonight we will continue our discussion in the book of Romans. If you would like to call us or even join in our conversation, or if you would like prayer, you can give us a call at 929-333-3739. Uh, Pastor Matt, so we're just a few weeks into 2024, and the studio <laughs> and the spring semester actually is just getting uh, going here. You're laughing at me because I'm wearing my headphones over my hat. Is that why you're laughing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You talked about how cold it was outside, and I, I just can't stop giggling over here because not as only is it cold outside, it's cold it's inside cold here. Inside in and we're all like bundled up in here, literally. <laughs> Uh, I mean, because there's no heat. But other than that, I mean, the the year has gotten off to a a warm, roaring start, mm-hmm, spiritually mm-hmm. speaking, hasn't That's it? That's true. It has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but so far, things are going great. I was able to share the gospel with someone this past week who called upon the Lord, and I amen. believe he made a really strong decision of oh, faith amen. in Christ. And mm-hmm. So that's a blessing, and if there are any listeners out there who do need the Lord, our phone lines are always open for that. And then we start, we're starting our institute tomorrow yep. night. If mm-hmm. any listeners are interested in really learning more of theology, we'll have a class on the theology of the Holy Spirit at 7 o'clock, and then church history at 8 o'clock. And I love this period of church history we'll be looking at from the uh, late 1789 mm. into the present, which really begins the modern missionary movement. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we'll be talking about some of the, those great missionaries as well as some of the other great movements. Even, you know, there are a lot of large charismatic type churches. We're going to look at the Pentecostal uh, movement and how that started in the 1900s mm-hmm. and the background of that. And well, just, it'll just be interesting. So I think uh, listeners could benefit from that. Yeah. If you're interested, go to our website at hbcnyc.org, and there there is a link right there. You could go onto the Zoom if you want to watch it on Zoom. And yeah, so so God is good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to both classes. Actually, we've uh, been doing church history now for this is going to be the fourth semester, yeah. but it's yeah. awesome. It's wa- it's interesting to watch the progression, just because you know if you don't know that information, it's actually really interesting to see how we got here, where we are. Yes, yes, and we're glad this evening once again to have one of our deacons with us, Brother Jeff Prophet. Thank you, Jeff, for being here with us once again. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, and it's good. Yep, I used to pick you up to, for the radio when you lived in Queens, and we went to New Jersey, and yep. and I remember we had many, many times there, and of course you came to our church through the radio, so this is a special time when you're on with us, Jeff. And uh, Brother Bill is with us. Thank you, Bill, for joining us once again. Thank you. And Bill has been in our church from the very, very start, just about, from the YMCA, Mm -hmm. 23rd Street Mm -hmm. days. So, Bill, praise the Lord for all these years. 
we're getting gray-headed, it's aren't we? It's a great we? place to be. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we're getting gray hairs together, aren't we, brother? Amen. Yeah, so... Uh, well, this evening, friends, we are continuing our study through the book of Romans, and we are not skipping over anything, are we, Micah? Nope. And tonight we are in Romans chapter 11, where Paul begins this chapter with a very pointed question about national Israel when he says, Have God forsaken or cast away his people? Has God cast <coughs> away his people, speaking of Israel? And Paul is really saying, Has the sin of Israel because they have rejected the Lord time and again throughout their history, has it finally culminated in their rejection of Christ and in their rejection of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? Has it culminated in God casting away his people? Mm. Mm-hmm. And Paul's answer is, may it never be. And it never will be, dear friends. And I, I want to also just say from, from a pac- practical standpoint, yeah. I mean, Paul says, has God cast away his people? He's talking about Israel. Mm-hmm. But dear friends, maybe you're wondering, has God cast away me? Mm-hmm. Have I sinned to such an extent that God would not show mercy to me? Maybe you're afraid that you've committed even some kind of unpardonable sin mm-hmm. or something along that line. And dear friends, God will not cast you away in the sense he will not save you. He, I mean, he, he will not not save you. He will save you if you call upon him. He will have mercy upon you if you come in repentance and faith to him. He will open the doors of heaven through Jesus Christ because God is a God of grace for you. And if you want to be saved, Jesus said, and I love this word of Jesus, that... He does not cast away any who comes to him. All that cometh to me, I, I, any who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. He mm-hmm. will not cast out. Mm-hmm. So, dear friends, if you need Jesus tonight, give us a call at 929-333-3739. God has not forsaken you. God will save you. He will forgive you. Maybe you've been saved, but you've, you've sinned against the Lord, even as a believer, and you feel so guilty and ashamed. But God will work in your heart and bring forgiveness to your life. Give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. Okay, so that's the question. As we look at this passage, I'm entitling this study this evening, God is not through with Israel. So we're going to read this passage together. And Jeff, if you could please start us out in Romans chapter 11 and verse number 1, and then we'll read down together to verse number 10. Okay, Romans chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, have God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What yet not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, 
but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back always. Okay, and let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father, we do thank you always for your grace and your mercy upon us, Lord. And we ask you now to bless this radio ministry, Lord God. Uh, we pray, Lord, that those who are listening, Lord, that it would be a blessing to them. Maybe some are seeking you, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that uh, what we study tonight, Lord, that uh, those who are seeking you would find out more about you, Lord God, and to know about your everlasting love that you sent through your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And we just pray for those who might be calling for prayer, Lord God. We pray uh, for our, our, our uh, call screeners tonight, Lord God. We pray, Lord, that you would give them wisdom and guidance and uh, comfort from your word for those who are in desperate need of prayer, Lord God. And we thank you always, Lord, for, you, for your love and your, uh, uh, all that you do for us, Lord, and the many blessings that you bestow upon us, Lord. So we thank you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So this evening, friends, we want to talk about this question or statement. God is not through with Israel. And the question Paul poses is, has God cast away his people? Has Israel's rejection, even now in Paul's history and day, has Israel's rejection of the only begotten Son of God finally led God to do away with the promises he has made to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob? Has God cast away his people? Mm. And we want to say tonight this simple statement. God has not forsaken Israel, and he will never forsake Israel or the promises he has made to Abraham to Isaac, to Jacob, to David, and national Israel. He has not forsaken Israel. Rather, he will be faithful to those promises. He is faithful to Israel. But, Mike, as we begin this evening, many do say that Paul is not speaking about national Israel, that mm. he's he's that Israel is just spiritualized away here. Mm -hmm. And so what do we say about this? Is Paul actually talking here about national Israel? He is. Uh, in verse 1, I feel like Paul qualifies exactly he, who he is referring to with very specific language using four distinct terms. So I'll just read verse 1 again. It says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. So first, Paul asks if God has cast away, quote, his people. Now, we know that historically and biblically, his people are the Jewish people. So going all the way back to the Exodus story, God told the Hebrews through Moses that they were his people, chosen from among all the peoples of the earth. Second, Paul uses the word Israelite. And, you know, what I did here is, you know, I just did a quick internet search of the word Israelite. And the definition, it tells us, anywhere you look, it says that Israelite is one of the children of Israel. Literally, <laughs> these are the descendants oh, of wait, the that's patriarch. That's deep, Mike. I don't know if I can follow that. <laughs> well, I mean, I really no, looked I know. to see if there was yeah. some other definition. And Someone of the physical seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, well, it yeah. says the children of Israel. Yeah. And we know that Jacob, his name was changed to Israel. So this yeah. isn't some general term. Paul is really 
really pointing to a precise lineage here. So third, Paul mentions the seed of Abraham. And again, this points to the genetics of a people. And this is the ethnic group which descended from a historical man called Abraham. And then fourth, Paul even references that he comes from the tribe of Benjamin, which he descended you know, from one of these 12 tribes, and he's indicating the Israelites come from one of 12 tribes. So again, the language is not ambiguous. If words have meaning, then we can't really get around the meaning of Paul's words. He is talking about national Israel. Yeah, I mean, and the context, too, and going back to chapter 9, verse 3, he talks about Israel, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Mm. And then chapter 10, my prayer's desire is for Israel that they might be saved. And he's mm-hmm. talking about Israel. And so here, he's still speaking about Israel. But the, the, a problem comes in with a, this a theology. Uh-huh. And it's a theology called covenant theology. Mm. And covenant theology doesn't mean that they just believe in the covenants that God made to Abraham or Isaac Jacob or the Davidic covenant. Mm. Because we all, any Bible believer will believe those covenants. Covenant theology believes in two major covenants. Mm. One, a covenant of works. The covenant of works is what God made with Adam in the Garden of Eden. Adam had to do good work, the work of not eating the tree. Mm. But Adam broke that covenant, and from Adam breaking that covenant of works, God put all of humanity under the covenant of grace. So covenant theology sees these two covenants, the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. And covenant theology then says there's no... And then they blur the distinction between Israel and the Old Testament and the church, because both Israel and the church are under this same covenant, Hmm. the covenant of grace, which we are in the sense that we're all and only saved by grace, right? right? Mm -hmm. But, but But a covenant theology then blurs any distinction between Israel and the church. In other words, like somebody who's a covenant theologian, if they were to preach for the book of Nehemiah, they would say that when Nehemiah was building the walls yeah. to, in a restored national Israel uh, after captivity, that he, he was really building the church. You know, There's really no distinction between Israel and the church. Mm. But we have to be clear that Israel, and there's many, and we could take the whole hour to, I'm sure, discuss this, which we won't, mm-hmm. but we have to be clear to say Israel is not the church, but many people do say yeah. that Israel is the same as the church. What would you say yeah. to that? Well, I mean, I think when we do look at that first verse that we just went over, it's a key to dismantling the argument mm-hmm. that the church has replaced national Israel. And as you said, Pastor, many churches still make that mistake. They teach that because the Jewish people in large part have rejected their Messiah, Jesus Christ, that God has replaced them with the church and God will have no more dealings with national Israel. And, you know, from my understanding, the idea has no basis in scripture and it creates all kinds of problems, not the least of which is that God made everlasting and unconditional promises to his people, which he hasn't yet fulfilled. So listen to the words in Jeremiah 31, Uh, 35 through 36, Mm. it says in part, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for the light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, if those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. And then verse 37, it goes on to say that only when the heavens above can be fully measured will he cast off his people. So in other words, God will never cast off 
his people, national Israel. And it's an important truth that the churches must get right. You know, we, we certainly don't worship national Israel. We don't necessarily condone every single move that their political leaders make. But we love these people. We pray for their safety and their salvation honoring the fact that through them we have the Bible, and through them the Messiah came. Right. And I mentioned a covenant theology, mm-hmm. and that is a system, if you will, of, of of an overall interpretation of the Bible. And a covenant theology sees no distinction between Israel and the church, whereas a dispensational theology, uh-huh. really one of the key elements of a dispensational theology, which I am a dispensationalist, uh-huh. is that Israel is distinct from the church. Yeah. And the re- there's many reasons that we have for this, and I'm just going to quickly say two, and then we'll move on from this. Okay. One, the founding. The founding of Israel is absolutely distinct from the founding of the church. Israel was founded when Jacob, you know, Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Yeah. Those 12 sons had children and Israel, uh, the nation of Israel was formed out of that. Mm-hmm. The church was founded by Jesus Christ. He said, I will build my church and he chose 12 apostles. Yeah. So Israel was founded with the 12 sons of Jacob. Mm-hmm. The church is founded with the 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. And then think about the future, the, the future of Israel and the church, even in the eternal kingdom. Yeah. We see the distinct yeah. in the kingdom of God, that the, the eternal city, the church is seen in the 12 foundation stones, mm-hmm. and Israel in the the gates, gates yeah. that's named after the sons of Jacob. Mm-hmm. So we even see those distinctions yeah. in eternal eternity. We're all a part of the kingdom of God, yeah. but Israel is distinct from the church. Amen. And God is not forsaken his people. Okay, so now... Jeff, you're here, and Bill, so we're going to bring you guys into this conversation. So Jeff, God was not through with Israel, and Paul makes the point, I think I'm proof of that because God saved me, you know? And and I thought about this. I said, well, if God was through with Israel, he said, well, I I picked 12 apostles and one of them, you know, he he became the betrayer, so I'm going to pick another apostle. I'm going to get a Gentile. I'm done with Israel. I'm going to pick a Gentile. But he didn't. He picked Israel. He picked Paul, mm-hmm. who was a Jew of all Jews, so to yeah. speak. So how, how what does Paul say here as a witness that God is not through with Israel? How is he a witness of this truth that God has not forsaken his people? Well, Paul says it right there that, you know, he, he's, uh, he was a Jew from the tribe of Benjamin. He tells him right straight out. And, mm-hmm. and you think about it, uh, I was looking at, uh, in 1st Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 12 and 13. He says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, mm-hmm. who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ign- ignorantly in unbelief. So, yeah, uh, you know, you know, we all know that that God uh, saved Paul on the road to Damascus, and if mm-hmm. God had rejected and cast away His people, He never would have saved Paul. But he, but he, but God foreknew His people that He had intimate knowledge of them beforehand, even from the foundation of the world. In foreknowing them, He He still chose them. And you think about there's certain scripture, you know, um, that God has, like in First Samuel twelve twenty two, He says. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it had pleased the Lord to make you his people. Mm. And in Psalm uh, 94, 14, for the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. And, and you think about also, too, uh, and I thought about uh, when um, Mount Sinai, when Israel made the golden calf and Moses came down from the mountain mm-hmm. and God said he was going to destroy them, you yeah. know, and, and what, what did Moses say? You know, he said... Um, let me pull this up here. Um, 
But he, he asked God, well, yeah, no. Moses interceded for the people. God was actually willing, it seemed, to start a new nation with Moses. With Moses and yeah. Moses said, no, no you no, can't no. do that, Lord. And he said, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou sworest by thine old self, and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. So... You know, so God's not done with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and as it says here, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. And you you made the point, but just to underscore that, that everything Israel could do or has done or will do is foreknown by God. Mm -hmm. And God made unconditional promises to Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, and David. They're unconditional. Yeah. In other words, that God was going to give them a seed, he was going to give them a land, and that there was be a, a Messiah who would be king and sit on the throne of David forever. And whatever Israel does, it's, it's unconditional. God is going to be faithful mm-hmm. to those promises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, that Jeremiah passage that I read earlier, you oh, know, yeah. talk, it talks about the sun and the moon, and, and yeah. basically, and I thought it was interesting, in Second Peter 3, uh, verse 10, uh, Peter talks about how there is going to come a time when everything dissolves and burns up, mm. and God is going to remake heaven and remake earth, and at that point, then, only, and only at that point will, you know, in heaven, there's not going to be this distinction uh, between Israel and the Gentiles. I mean, it's just, it's no longer going to matter, but until that point, it does matter. And I just think even when we look ahead to Revelation, you know, it says that once again, the Jewish people, they're going to be the Lord's prominent witnesses during the time of Jacob's trouble. You know, Moses and Elijah, they're going to be the witnesses in Jerusalem. And then there's going to be 144,000 young Jewish men spreading the gospel throughout the world. And I just think the pattern from the Old Testament as Israel is special to the New Testament, even through Revelation, Israel is special to God and he has a plan for these people. Yeah, and you brought out Jeremiah 31 when we've had... Craig Hartman on the program with us, and I've heard Craig Hartman preach on this passage too, and and it is such a powerful passage. So the question, has God cast away his people? We w- we can say yes. Okay, God has cast away his people when the sun doesn't rise in the morning. Yeah. When the moon is not fulfilling its ordinances and there's no more tides. Yeah. <laughs> then, <laughs> I mean, then we could say, but until then, yeah. no, God has not mm-hmm. cast away his people. As God said to Solomon, I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people, Israel. So, Bill, we're talking about Paul and just how amazing his salvation is. Mm-hmm. And and Paul is an example that God has not forsaken Israel mm-hmm. because God so miraculously saved this Hebrew of the Hebrews, this Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin, and and shown that God is f- still going to fulfill and f- still faithful to his promises. And if there was ever somebody, you know, who would, you would think could never be saved, it would be Paul, you know. Mm-hmm. And yet God saved him. And I, I think we all kind of see people like that. And maybe we even feel like we're like that. Like I'm a person and I never thought I would be saved. But do you know anyone, can you think of someone who who was saved that you thought never could be saved? Kind of like a Paul kind of guy. That I've known personally? Yeah, or that you know about. Well, like you mentioned today, uh, John Newton, the guy yeah. who wrote uh, Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. He was a slave trader for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Probably made a lot of money doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, he didn't have uh, much care for certain people. Yeah. Figured, uh, who knows how he got the idea that that was, 
the right way to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, but or uh, David Berkowitz. Oh yeah, know, mm-hmm. son of Sam. Wow. Apparently yeah. he is uh, everything. Yeah. Everywhere I read today, you know, uh, he reading his confessions. Um, and of course, you know, the, the funny thing is, like people will just say, "Oh, he's just saying that." And what it really comes down to is. It, what ultimately matters is the people that know him intimately, because obviously the only people that have any contact with Dave Bergowitz since he's in prison mm-hmm. are the people that work in that prison and are in there with him. So they're the only ones that are going to know. And there's lots of people that we hear about in culture saying confessions and this and that, and people have these different ideas about it, but it's ultimately between God and them and certainly the people who they see in their own lives. Mm-hmm. And certainly we all know who we were before. Yeah. And... We know what direction we were going, and anyone listening that you know they know people, uh, you can see the difference in their life. If yeah. it's a, you can see if it's a genuine, you know, if they're just doing it temporarily. We, yeah. I've known people certainly that when they were really down and out, they said that they found God, mm-hmm. and then years later, mm-hmm. you know, you understand that maybe they were just saying that, or maybe they felt a certain way and they went back to their own ways. Yeah. God does show his mercy and grace to surprising people in surprising ways. Think of Madeline Murray O'Hare. You were talking about David Berkowitz. Like Madeline Murray O'Hare, who went to the Supreme Court to get prayer taken out of public schools because she didn't want her son to pray. God saved him. Mm. God is good. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think about uh, my grandfather on my father's side who I never met. Um, when my dad was born, he was actually fighting in World War II, and by the time he came back, my dad was about two and a half years old, he had major PTSD, he had been shot down in a plane, mm-hmm. he was on a life raft for something like 20 days, wow. he had seen you know, multiple soldiers die in the ocean, um, and so when he came back, you know, he was never mentally stable mm-hmm. you know he and my grandfather grandmother they tried to make it work it didn't work out you know by the time my dad was 11 he didn't see him ever again and then mm-hmm. five years later my grandfather died of a heart attack but the cool story that i only just learned a couple years ago was when my grandmother went to retrieve the body of you know her former husband at that point she was responsible to bury him um the the owner of the hotel it was like a long stay hotel where he was living had told her that he had become saved and he would like witness to everybody who came through that hotel. Mm -hmm. And so my dad at 16 years old heard this and it was just such a burden lifted off of him that his father, who he only knew as angry and mentally unstable and all these things, that his father had actually gotten saved and was a witness for Jesus Christ. So it was a surprise, but it was also such a burden lifted for my father. That's a beautiful story, Micah. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Jeff, do you know anyone like that, that God just miraculously saved just somebody you thought never possibly could be saved? Well, um, I would say, I'm not sure if he's saved, but I do know, I have a friend of mine, Dave, not Berkowitz, he's listening tonight (laughs) with his wife, Ann. Um, You know, we were, um, he's Jewish, Uh, he was raised in a Jewish home, Jewish parents, uh, bar mitzvah and all that, and we went to high school together, we uh, worked together, we were roommates uh, and then we lost touch with each other, and then just recently we got together with the holidays, and then like we were sitting down for dinner, and he says, "Oh, I've been going to church." Wow. <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and and wow. he said, "He just, you know, he's. I, I believe he's still on his journey, 
and this, he's going to a good Christian church, and he was just saying, you know, I need God in my life. Mm. So, but I was just surprised during our whole time when we knew each other, mm-hmm. we, we never spoke. I mean, I wasn't saved either, but mm-hmm. we just never had that discussion about Christ. So mm. it's just interesting to see him and his journey. And I, you know, I think God brought us back together, you know, so we can yeah, to discuss, encourage one to another. Encourage, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so it's a blessing, you know. So um, Amen. Praise God for His infinite, marvelous grace, amen. dear friends and. And you might think you're too far beyond the grace of God, but you are not. God will reach out and bring you salvation through Jesus Christ if you will call upon him, if you will in your heart believe that you're a sinner. And yes, you deserve to die and even go to hell for your sins, for the wages of sin is death. But God in mercy sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to bear that punishment for you of hell, the equivalent of hell, if you will, on the cross, shedding his blood, and he rose again. He rose again, defeating death, and we defeat death as well through Jesus. So if you need Jesus, you give us a call right now at 929-333-3739, or maybe you just need someone to pray with you tonight. Now, we have some precious call screeners we do yeah and they are sitting out there in the cold (laughs) with their bundled with their bundle they got their they got look at that they got scarves on and hats and coats but they they are here to tell gloves uh esther's waving her gloves around but you know what they're here because they love the lord and they love you dear friends and if you have something to pray about this evening they would really love to talk with you and pray with you and bear your burden. So you give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. We're going to go to a song about the gospel. And so you call us right now, 929-333-3739. Shout welcome in 
the power to make you new dear friends hallelujah for the gospel amen the gospel is that good news of jesus christ that he died for us was buried and rose again we're talking in romans chapter 11 verses 1 through 10 this evening that god is not through with israel and we've seen god is not through with israel because God saved Paul, and Paul himself was Jewish. And so God wasn't through with Israel. He saved Paul to show it. And then Paul gives an example, Bill, of Elijah, and how Elijah felt all alone during his ministry. He even felt like at one point, there's nobody standing for God. I'm Mm -hmm. the only one that's left. But God said to Elijah, no, I haven't forsaken Israel as well. And so how is Elijah's day a demonstration that God had not forsaken Israel during Paul's generation and in our day as well. God has not forsaken Israel. Well, the first thing I thought of was what percentage of the whole population of the kingdom of Israel at that time were these 7,000 people. Mm -hmm. It might have been single digits, Mm -hmm. you know, and they could have been all spread around. And it sounds like this was not a time to be out and about showing your faith in God. This was a time to be showing your faith in everything else. And mm. all of the altars had, had gotten, had been done away with, and mm-hmm. people were worshiping in their houses, you know, behind closed doors, privately. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as Jesus told us, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in their midst. So yeah. he's, he's not missing them. He's not going to miss 7,000 people. Then I also thought um, it was um, in First Kings chapter 18 when uh, Ahad, who was king of Israel during uh, Elijah's time, he was called the, the troubler of Israel. Mm-hmm. And there can be a lot of times where people of, a, of either the Jewish faith or the Christian faith can be living in a situation where the leaders of their country politically are certainly not doing things that are godly. Mm-hmm. And this can, like, the, you know, the people, you know, we have leaders in our country now that do things that wouldn't belie that they're believers in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And there are actions done by, you know, like think of all the people in Israel and all the people in uh, Palestine. They have... Just they just want to live their lives, and it's the political leaders of those countries that are making decisions that are resulting in pain and destruction. Yeah. And you know when people talk about oh Israel does did this, mm-hmm. and Palestine did that, or America did this, you know like right now there's military action being taken in Yemen. Is anyone in this room 
deciding to do that? No. There are political leaders in Washington that are doing yeah. that. So, yeah. Yeah. So well, there are people that are living under conditions that God is sovereign over, mm-hmm. yeah. but they're still recognized by God in their faith. Yeah. And so, yeah, in a lot of ways, like you say, Ahab was just the secular leader. I mean, he mm-hmm. wasn't a true man of God, no doubt. And he, he condemned the true man of God, Elijah, and called him the one who was causing the trouble trouble in Israel. But, you know, getting back to your for- first point, it is interesting. Elijah felt I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. God said, no, there's 7,000. <laughs> but still, that was a very small percentage of the whole nation as well. So it was still a very small remnant. Micah, mm-hmm. did you want to add to that? Yeah, well, I just think it's interesting how you know Elijah really showed himself to be a little bit fickle in this story. You know, even God's great men can be fickle. You know, here Elijah had experienced three and a half years of miracles, which culminated in his calling down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel. And yet when he's faced with this continued opposition from Jezebel and her husband Ahab, um, Elijah crumbled. Uh, Look at 1 Kings 19 verse 4. It says that Elijah came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. So God completely, you know, comforts Elijah by telling him that there was this remnant of 7,000. You know, it's a it's a 1,000 times multiple of God's number of completion. And so this idea of the remnant in Israel, it should comfort us just like it comforted Elijah and it comforted the original readers of Romans. You know, we know that Jewish that there are Jewish believers. We're praying for many more, and our church even supports one ministry specifically geared toward evangelism to the Jews. But we do know that there are Jewish believers, and that is a comfort to us. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and Elijah felt alone. Mm-hmm. He said, I am left alone, and they seek my life. So we're going to take a phone call, but after the phone call, what we want to do is talk about how, just from a practical standpoint, how sometimes it can be lonely mm-hmm. living for God, yeah. even in a day of grace. And dear friend, have you ever felt alone in your family, your workplace? So we'll, we'll kind of give some testimonies about that in just a moment. But first, let's go to a phone call, and we got Brother Jamie, our good Brother Jamie on the line, Jamie Welcome. You're on the Heritage of Faith Conversations program. Hey, Pastor. How you doing? Okay, Jamie. How are you um, doing? Oh, very well, very well. I got, I, got, I got a question. You know, I believe the Bible, okay, every word of it. Don't understand all of it. So here's a question that maybe you can put right. The um, thing about what Jess said about God multiplying Israel, like numerous as the stars, and there's what, I don't know, 100 billion stars in the Milky Way, and there's 200, 400 billion galaxies. That's a lot of stars. And the Jews are basically the minority in comparison to the Gentiles. So I'm kind of lost there. If you could explain what that actually means. So we're talking about even during the days of Elijah, there was a remnant according to the election of grace. And then even in our day, there's a remnant of Jews being saved. So your question is, how can what God said to Abraham be true that his seed would be like the stars in the heavens? That your, is that yeah. your question? Is it, okay. Yeah. Is it stars in heaven or stars in the universe? It, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of confused. Either way, either way. You know, but okay. well, when we talk about the seed of Abraham, mm-hmm. we're talking about this a spiritual seed there. Mm-hmm. 
because Abraham was not the the father of Israel. Jacob was. Mm. Abraham yeah. was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of the nation of Israel. So Abraham actually was before national Israel. But So I believe you could say that there's a spiritual seed because the Bible says, what does it say in Galatians, where it says, in Abraham shall all the nations be blessed. So there, there could be in that promise all those who will believe that Jesus Christ, who is the seed of Abraham and is the Messiah, th- those are the ones who are saved, that, that th- they are the seed of Abraham. And there's a verse in Galatians. It says in verse 9, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it, I would say, though, Jamie, is that the fullness of the new covenant, which is revealed in Jeremiah 31, which Micah read earlier, go to Jeremiah 31, the new covenant God is making with, God has made with Israel. And the fullness of the new covenant hasn't come in yet. The fullness of the new covenant will actually come during the tribulation, and we're going to talk about this at the end of Romans chapter 11, when all Israel will be saved. So a great number, not a remnant of Israel, but all Israel will be saved in the end, and the seed of Israel will be like the stars in the sky. So that's the best I think I can answer. Do you want to add to that? Uh, no, I mean, I think when he says, like, the stars of the sky, I mean, Jamie's saying there's billions and billions and yeah, billions yeah, of stars, yeah, yeah, so there's yeah. 8 billion people on the earth right now. There's That's a little hyperbole. I think, little. That, I think that there's a little bit of hyperbole there. That's I Honestly, I do think so. I wonder how many humans have lived total. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, anyway, yeah, I do think. Okay. I don't think um, as many as the stars that are in heaven. I, anyway. I, yeah, I don't think as many human beings have ever lived. So, Jamie, thanks so much for the call and the question. We really appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Very good, very good. So let's talk about, I, I kind of set it up earlier before we took that call. Elijah felt alone, where he said, I am left alone. And he often laments that in the King's Passage when when God told him when he was at Mount Horeb, Why are you, what are you doing here, Elijah? He says, I, I'm all alone here, you know? Mm-hmm. So have you ever felt alone in that sense, or discouraged in your life and ministry, and, and even wondered, is God doing any work here of saving souls? So, Micah, would you like to start on that? Um, yeah. So, you know, a few months ago, I began a sermon by sarcastically giving three good reasons to avoid personal ministry. <laughs> and the number one reason was because of disappointment, you know? So, I think it's true. Many people that we pour our ministry energy and efforts into, they will disappoint us. But, you know, when we look at ourselves and ask if we've ever disappointed God, and then when we recognize that he didn't give up on us, that should motivate Mm. us to continue on in ministry despite momentary disappointments. And, you know, we have to remember that most people's spiritual growth is not some straight line up. You know, there's ups, there's downs. And so we can't really gauge the success of ministry based on one moment in time. And we have to assume that our ministry efforts, they're going to bear fruit either in this life or maybe even in the next. Yeah. Yeah. And Bill, have you ever felt that way alone for Jesus? Yeah. All the time, especially in (laughs) New York City. Um, you know, certainly most people that we know in this, in this part of the world and, uh, certainly in the, of these generations, they're, they're raised to believe that the Bible is just 
something that should be done away with and something that should be forgotten and seen mm. as like a problem of the past. And of course, a lot of people don't bother to read it and they don't want to understand it. How but does it, that affect your faith? Uh, I, that in a way it, it aggravate, it can, I can admit it, it can, it can make me aggravated at times, but the more I understand, the more I read the word, the more I listen to good preaching like you and other people, I, the more I am ready to answer because all of the, the objections uh, the like you know the real objections of our society come from just a total ignorance of scripture there's assumptions that are made and then it's just easy to i i find it when i'm talking about that when i'm addressing someone's objections mm-hmm. that i i find it a lot easier to not get up i can get upset so easily about all kinds of things that don't matter mm-hmm. And it's embarrassing, but <laughs> when it comes to when I know when I can when I'm talking about scripture, when I'm showing someone blue letter Bible on my phone, mm-hmm. and they're they're like, "You have the Bible on your phone," mm-hmm. and you know, it, it's it's I find it easier to be reminded of how calm and loving that I need to be because this is something that I was uh, ignorant of myself. Even though I grew up in a in a home where I was brought to church, where I went to a Christian school. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. Jeff, what about you? Have you ever felt alone, discouraged in your life like that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, maybe uh, 10 years ago with my old job, uh, just, there was no Christians. There were two. And actually, one of them uh, um, prior to that had encouraged me to go to church before I uh, was saved. But, uh, but now, the current job, there's, you know, these yeah. guys are... You know, using profanity, saying you know things, you know that mm. I can't repeat. But mm-hmm. you know, and and not only that, now with the kids in school, and they get invited to these parties, and you meet their parents, and you know, try to yeah, you know, feel alone. Yeah, and like you know, say, oh, you know, we go to church, and it's, oh, really, you know, and then you know, you just listen to the conversation, and it's just like, no, no, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you, you know, you know, the way I look at it, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a rebel. You know, I wanted to just like be radical and go mm-hmm. against the flow. Mm-hmm. So being a Christian is like being a rebel, man. But it's a rebel with a cause. It's not yeah, a rebel without a cause. Close, mm-hmm. We have a rebel with a cause, and we're siding with the King of the universe, right. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. And that's our so, mission field. Yeah. You know, our yeah. Safe. Yeah. So let's plow ahead a bit in R- Romans chapter 11 and verses 5 and 6, Micah, where Paul speaks of God having a remnant according to the election of grace. And really, I, I believe in a sense we are a remnant today. Mm-hmm. But what does this phrase mean and why is it important that we see God's salvation by grace and being a remnant? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one could argue that we live within a works-based culture. You know, from a very very early age, you know, we're even taught that gifts that we received are based on our behavior. You know, there's the famous Christmas song which oh, tells yeah. us he's making a list, checking it twice, going <laughs> to find out who's naughty and nice. But, you know, God is not Santa Claus. Sounds like Santa Claus is very <laughs> works-based. And, yeah, he, well, yeah, Santa is works-based. <laughs> you know, but God, he offers the same salvation whether we're naughty or nice. You know, and Paul was extremely naughty we talked about that and he he was offered the same salvation and so paul here is arguing that works and grace they're mutually exclusive we can't come up with some perfect mix of the two in order to achieve salvation so it's really grace plus nothing you know and paul makes this point earlier in the book uh with romans 4 4 through 5 when he wrote now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace 
but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Yeah, there's a popular word in our culture, binary, and it's and it's connected to this whole discussion of of gender. Mm-hmm. You know, people yeah. say they're non-binary when yeah. it comes to gender, which is actually, and I say this kindly, but dear friends, it's impossible mm. to be non-binary when it comes to gender. I looked mm-hmm. up non-binary. Binary yeah. basically means one or the other. Yeah. It's like, is the light switch on or off? It mm-hmm. can't be both. Mm-hmm. You, it cannot be non-binary. Yeah. It's either on or off. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about grace, salvation is not non-binary. It's binary. Yeah. You either believe you're saved by grace mm-hmm. or you're saved by works. Yeah. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. And so salvation is a binary choice. Yeah. Just like our gender. Mm-hmm. It's binary. Mm-hmm. You're either male or female. So dear friends, are you saved by grace? That means it's not of works, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. So when we get down into verse 7 and 8, Jeff, and Paul here writes in Romans 7, or Romans chapter 11, verse 7, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. But the election has obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God has given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear, unto this day. And so from this passage of Scripture, Paul is ref- is making reference to two other verses, Deuteronomy 29.4 and Isaiah 29.10. And he's talking about how God hardens those who harden themselves against him. So let's talk about that for a moment. And can you read those two verses that Paul quotes here? And let's talk about how Israel's stubbornness caused their hearts to be hard and their eyes to be blind. But that doesn't mean as well that God has forsaken them. So Deuteronomy 29, 4 says, Yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear unto this day. And Isaiah 29.10, For the Lord hath poured out, uh, out un- upon you, you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes, the prophets and your rulers, the seer, th- and the seer hath he covered. Mm-hmm. So um, God, what God does is when God hardens a heart, it's a result of a, a willful rejection of true righteousness. So um, you think about in the earlier chapter, chapter 10, Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Mm-hmm. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So Israel has a zeal for God. Like mm-hmm. Paul, I mean, Paul's like speaking about himself. He had a zeal for yeah. God mm-hmm. before he was converted. But for th- they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves Unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So, um, you know, God, Israel follows their own righteousness. They didn't want to follow God's righteousness. So they believe that, you know, their works. And, and I think um, if you think about the, the rich young ruler mm-hmm. who came to Jesus and, and he said, you know, you know what, do, what do I do to, turn, to receive eternal life? And, you know, Jesus quoted the Ten Commandments. He said, well, I do all those things. And he yeah. said, well, why don't you, you know, sell all your belongings and follow me? Yeah. And then he walked away, you know. So he, you know, he did not, what Jesus said, did not 
you know, he was his preconceived thing about how he, they should be, and he felt like, no, 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 you know, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So he walked away sadly, you mm-hmm. know. So. Yeah, yeah. And and again, and, and Paul, what he's arguing here is, and even today, people say, well, Israel has rejected the Messiah now for 2,000 years. God is done with Israel. He doesn't have any plan or program yet for Israel. That's not true. Mm-hmm. And Paul's saying that God had given Israel slumber and hardness of heart in the days of Moses, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the days of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And Jonah himself was at a spirit of a deep sleep, you know. Right. But still, God was not done with Israel then. He's not done with Israel now. So, thank you, uh, Jeff, for sharing that. As we come to these last two verses, in verses 9 and 10, and Paul quotes from Psalm 69 in verse number 9, where he says, And David saith, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. So, this is an amazing psalm, Psalm 69. And it's really a final proof that God is not through with Israel. Because this psalm is all about Jesus Christ and how he will be rejected. He will suffer on the cross. Jesus quoted from this psalm numbers of times. He quoted from this psalm on the cross when he said, mm. I thirst. Mm-hmm. He quoted from this psalm in John 15 when he said, they, they hated me without a cause. That's from Psalm 69. So Jesus quoted this, that he was hated even by the Jewish people, without a cause. And then he, it's kind of mystical, and it's a little bit difficult to understand what, what is he talking about here mm-hmm. when he says, let their table be made a snare. What is this table that is a snare for Israel? But Paul quotes this from David, and what do these verses, Bill, if you could uh, help us with this, what do these verses tell us that God will do with Israel but still not forsake them? Well, when I when I see the table part, I'm thinking about uh, material things that get accumulated that distract us. Hmm. You know, that's certainly very common, like what Jeff was just talking about. Um, but I, to me, it quickly, just it states to me, I just think that we should be prepared for almost any kind of hardship, and we should think of any material thing or thing of this world as being something that we need to think of as we're going to leave it behind when we die. Mm-hmm. So why be attached at all? Why be concerned much with it? Of course, we need basic things. Um, but, it, you know, just uh, if if Paul could, if Paul, one of the greatest witnesses for Christ, can be have spent, I don't know how many years in prison, uh, if if mm. John was on uh, on an island, like, we don't want you near people, if Jesus was literally crucified, mm-hmm. and then all the other were, you know, martyred, mm-hmm. uh, we should be prepared for almost anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if Job himself, like Job, I've just thought maybe think of the first thing that popped in my head was Job chapter 13. We said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. I That's will it. trust him. Yeah. Amen. Our, our faith is in something or not of this world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Micah? Yeah. And I just, you know, both uh, Bill and Jeff were talking about this idea of the human idols. You know, God wants us to love him with all our hearts, souls, and minds. And so if we love anything more, then that's what we worship, you know. And so in Paul's day, as in our day, many Jewish people, like all people, they love their traditions, they love their rules, they love their religion more actually than they love God. And so many are blinded to the Messiah, many Jewish people, many non-Jewish people, they're blinded to the Messiah. And we just hope that as we have this discussion tonight, that people's eyes are opened and they can see Jesus clearly. Yeah, and as we close a table 
I believe, could well speak of their money, their ceremonies, their rituals that they piled up. And all those things became a, a, a form of their blindness. And then Jesus, even when he cleansed the temple not once but twice, turned over their tables, mm-hmm. which was all their money changers. And he, w- he knew he, they had to overthrow all their rituals in order to see him. So, dear friends, don't let religion and don't let all of your ceremonies and all of your feastings close your eyes from Jesus. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.